phone. I knew Charlie about 41 years or more. And we need to do an inventory of all your tools. <laughs> Every time he was at the house, Charlie would have to pat him down because he said he was stealing his tools. <laughs> That's why I bring that up. Charlie was born August 10th, 1942, and went to be with the Lord June 27th of this uh, 19. He's preceded in death by his father, Paul Wheeler, his mother, Jenny Wheeler, and his brother, Richard Wheeler. He was selfless throughout his whole life. And I knew he had been in the Marines and been to Vietnam. I knew this man, like I said, I got married her 40, 41 years ago. So I knew him 40 years or longer. I knew he'd been to Vietnam. It wasn't until about three or four years ago he finally opened up and we talked about it. Now the first tour, Uncle Sam made him go. The second tour, he volunteered. Now I don't want to get gory, but I'll tell you this. He told me he was on a patrol. His patrol was ambushed. And I said, well, Charlie, that's not the end of the story. Because if everybody was killed, you're here. He said, well, I had two choices. To play dead. And here's his words. Pray to my Lord to save me. You can take heart that he knew Jesus. Okay? That's why I bring that up. And if anybody knows anything about Vietnam, in 1968, there was something called the Tet Offensive. Go look it up. Charlie told me. That's how we first started talking about it. He told me he was there in 68. I said, you were there during Tet. He said, yeah, I slept in a foxhole for 20 days straight. So, that's part of the reason this man was so private. He never even told me, but I know from his the years he was there, that Charlie shot at people, and people shot at Charlie. That changes a man. He did it twice. Now, he came home and was honorably discharged after 10 years in the Marine Corps. I just found out he was a recruiter. Who would have thought that? Charlie was a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought with his personality he couldn't sell ice to an Eskimo? But, he was discharged in 72 and went to work for Southeastern, South, Southern, and Northwest Airlines. And he transferred to Nashville. Now, if you know anything about Charlie, he came home every chance he had. But if you knew him, you knew he really loved living in Nashville. I say that to say this. When he came back, why did he transfer back to Memphis? father was sick and his mother and father needed him. So he left the city he loved to come take care of his parents. And then after that when Charlie his mother, his father died, his mother got to where she had to be put in a nursing home. His sister had lost a husband. He lived with Louise to take care of her. Selfless Man, he didn't have any thought of self. I said that wrong. Selfless. He was selfless. He retired from Northwest after the loss of his mom and took care of both of us. All of us. He was always fun to be around. And like my wife said, if Charlie liked you, he always said something. 
See, I was aggravated. Always. When my oldest son was getting married. The Thanksgiving before, my mother-in-law always had Thanksgiving in her house. So all, everybody's there. Charlie came up to me and he said, when are they getting married? I said, in January. He said, they got a house in there. I said, yeah. He said, Megan, come here, sit down. I need to talk to you. <laughs> still, it's still funny. So he looked at her and he said, so what's this about you and Ryan living together before you married? Do I need to talk to your daddy? Now, he wasn't going to talk to her daddy. And he knew they weren't living together. But he was picking on my daughter because he liked her. That's the way Charlie was. And you always, whenever you left the house, you went to see him, he'd say this, get up and get out. <laughs> now his father used to tell me, I'd tell him I'd go by to see him, I said, I'm going to come over and eat supper. And his daddy would tell me, you bring your own groceries. <laughs> so see, it runs in the family. But then he'd always say this, bye, I love you, be careful. Always. Especially to this group right here. He was a private man about his life. We just, some of them just found out he had dentures. They never even knew that. But throughout his whole life, Charlie always put others before himself his country and his family. And in closing, I'm going to say something. Rest in peace, Charlie. If you don't know what Semper Fi means, that's the Marine Corps motto. And in Latin, that means always faithful. And that describes Charlie. Always faithful. And Paul, thank you for this opportunity. Let's pray. Lord our God and Father, we pray now that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to see the things that you have for us now. That you would make us receptive to these things and hungry for them so that they would fill us, Lord God, and transform us and change us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. When we come to a meeting like this, always something bad has happened, right? But in another sense, usually something good has happened. Uh, there's few times in life where church gets really important, when people get married, when people are born, and when people die. But also, the mere fact that you came here today matters. It shows a certain level of respect for a life. In a sense, just by coming here, you've already said human life matters, and Charlie's life matters. And he did things, and he had an effect on people, and he changed lives, and he was a part of lives. In the same day, way, when we think about the Christian faith, most of it is not about this life. It seems to be, but really it is not. It is mostly about the next life. When you think about it, we live that long. If you have a good long stretch of it and you manage to pass 100, well then, you know, everybody knows you've had a good run, right? But who makes it to 120? Really? Not very many. I don't know of any, right? This entire generation of Charlie's that he grew up in, the guys that are my age, we look back on them with a certain kind of fascination. They grew up in a different planet, a different world than we do. Sometimes, you know, we even call that generation and the one before it the greatest generation because of the things they did and the things they accomplished. But we also think of them as just inherently men of honor, right? 
They did things we never had to do so that we don't have to do the things they did, right? So it is true that many times when you talk to these guys, they're a little more reticent about talking about their faith and talking about private matters and things like that. And a lot of the time, it's because they've seen things and done things that were necessary, right? But it doesn't mean that they don't believe, and it doesn't mean that they don't know Christ. They're just not super chatty about all of it. When we talk about Jesus, the only reason that he came was to save from death, right? Sometimes we even think to ourselves, you know, he was really kind of into death. He, he was born so that he would die, and he did all these things for the approaching death, but you have to be careful about that because Jesus didn't like death. As a matter of fact, he was never more upset or ever showed anxiety or apprehension except for on the night before his death when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And because of the great agitation that he had, he even sweat drops of blood and he even said to the Father, if there's any way that this cup can be taken from me, then take it from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. But there was something he was achieving in his death, which was our resurrection from the dead. This life is the seed. It's not the flower. It only lasts this long, and the next one lasts forever. All the things that we think about in the Christian faith are really about preparing us for where Charlie has already gone. And who knows what wonders he has seen and what things have been revealed to him there. We get snapshots in the scriptures, but we don't get a super clear picture of it, right? But we have the expectation that we will survive beyond this life. This life is only the preparation for the next one. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we come if we don't know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And this is that power that we talk about, not only the power of the resurrection, but that life and death are in the hands of God, and that everybody's life is a, is a pre-directed span. He knows the day of our birth. He knows the day of our death. He holds everything that happens in between point A and point B in his hands, right? And this gives meaning and purpose to our minds to not only serve and glorify God, but to enjoy him forever. So we put our faith in God, and we change our lives and conform them to the purpose and the form of Christ, so that whatever he's like at the day of the resurrection, we will be like that too. There are certain things that we talk a lot about in churches like these. One of them is salvation, which is a big word with a very important purpose. And it's that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the measure of Scripture alone and to the glory of God alone. I know that's a lot to say. That's a lot of alones, right? But what it means is we're not saved by how good we are or how good we are at keeping the law or all the good things that we've done. All of those are nice and everything, but that's not what saves us. Christ alone saves us. His righteousness saves us. Our own does not. What we mean is that if we believe in Christ, we are the children of God and reunited with him in a familial sense so that he will not let us suffer death twice. In the Bible, it talks about the first death, which is just this body 
We all know it's going to go. Mine's half gone now. I can barely tie my shoes anymore. I can't pick up anything that my kids drop on the ground. All my hinges are starting to squeak. But at the same time, I'm not worried. Because all of this is supposed to become dust, right? Ashes. They go to ashes. And dust goes to dust. But we're looking forward to the resurrection from the dead. Death can't hold us. Christ is overcoming. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this. In the old days... God passed by the fact that people were confused about religion and didn't know who he was, but now he's proved himself to all men everywhere by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And during that time of the last 2,000 years, when he started out, it was just him and 11 guys walking around in the desert, right? Now there's apparently at least 3 billion people on earth calling themselves by the name of Christ. That's a tremendous success record, don't you think? And who knows what will happen in the future as the gospel continues to unfold because it's intergenerational, every generation into the next, leaving their faith behind to their children and their children's children to a thousand generations of those that love it, right? And so we look forward to these things in hope. I know it's sad when people die, but we must remember that death has a meaning. Death has a purpose. Death has an intention. And it is not the end. It's much more of a beginning then it is an end. Here's the thing about this. You will see him again. Not only that, but he will look forward to seeing you come to where he is. But not only you, but hopefully your children and your children's children and your children's children's children after you are dust to a thousand generations. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our God and Father, you are always so good to your children. We thank you, Lord God, that we have this great hope of being received by you. That this life passes by in an instant, Lord God. We're born and we're children and then we're young and then we're powerful. And before we know it, Lord God, we are gray. And all of these things are pointing toward you. And you receive us on our last day. We thank you, Lord God, for the resurrection from the dead and the expectation that we have of being in Christ. That we have not saved ourselves, that you have saved us. And because you have saved us, we have great confidence. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. We thank you for all of these things in the name of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise one more time as we sing number 434.
up and receive the blessing of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you peace. Amen. Amen. There is a reception in the fellowship hall with food and drinks. Thank you for coming.